the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and I'm glad to be with you today. And as we begin today, I know there's a lot of things that you may want to discuss, lots of things uh, popping up in the news today, new controversies and more sadness because of what happened there in Texas. And, uh, you know, there's some things that we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. A lot of things, you know, what happened with the police, what happened with some of those families, a lot of those things, those will get, that information will get sorted out later. We're still in an era, you know, period of time where you just have to be careful about jumping on whatever story pops up because a couple hours later it might not be true. But I want to address something that is a big part of it. And today really talk about some things that we can do right now, some things that we really need to address and some things that we can address, okay? And by we, I mean you and me. And the government maybe has a role, maybe they don't, but there are things that we can do in particular, the church, in particular, our audience. What are some things that we can do? At the bottom of the hour, this hour, we'll have Dr. Danny Huerta from Focus on the Family. He'll be with us to talk about how we can approach these issues in our families. And uh, But right now, I want to talk about dads and the issue of fatherlessness. You can give me a call and join the program here at Southern California Live. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-LA-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Fatherlessness, it's a huge part of the discussion. And I know, and I'm, I'm motivated by this because I've been surprised about how some already out there trying to debunk the idea that some of this violence and the, and trouble that we see all over the place is less related to fatherlessness and fatherless homes. And now, as I talk about this, I'm not being critical of single moms and the heroes that you are taking care of your kids. I know a bunch of you of who are listening right now, you are doing everything you can and you're a hero. There's a bunch of hero single dads out there listening and working really hard. And you've, and I understand that there are lots of reasons for fatherlessness and the divorce rate and all of those things, but we can't not talk about it. We, we don't want to get tied up in, oh, does that mean I'm doing something wrong? Nope, nope, you're, you're doing fine. What we want to talk about is how serious this problem is and how it relates to all of it. Um, and then how do we encourage dads especially? And there are moms who are checked out. There's a motherless issue too, but the fatherlessness is huge. And I'm going to show you why here in a minute. But the thing also that I, I've been watching, there, I went to you know, people have made claims about how many of these shooters are from fatherless homes. And if you go to one of those fact-checking sites, one of them, uh, Snopes, which tends to be on the left, you have to fact-check the fact-checkers. And you have to really look at nuance because a lot of the time what they'll say is technically true, but they leave out the nuance, particularly if there is an agenda one way or the other. Only people do this on the right and the left, okay? And we have to be careful about that. Something for our program is we need to do our best to get things right. And I don't always get things right, but I'll admit it when I don't, and I will recalibrate. Some of you have called me up and said, hey, you left this part out of the story and it's relevant. I appreciate that. That's part of the conversation we want to have here, okay? 
But I ha- I got to tell you, I'm irritated when I read some article on Snopes trying to diminish the idea of the fatherlessness of a lot of these shooters and other violent acts. And the thing they leave out is this. What they will say is if the parents are married, then they're not fatherlessness. They're not fatherless, okay? But fatherlessness doesn't just mean the father is completely absent. It doesn't just mean there's been a divorce or a death. It, the father can be present. Uh, they can be right there. Uh, right there and involved, you know, around. Sometimes the father is abusive, but the the child coming out of that relationship isn't fatherless, but is in an abusive relationship, and that's part of the fatherless conversation. See, that's the the nuance. The nuance is your dad might might have been around, but haven't wasn't healthy. All right. So a big part of this is yes, dads need to be present, but also they need to be healthy fathers. And we need to work on this, and we need to stop making excuses. See, I even heard it from a couple of pastors. I was watching a, a program online, an online pastor, and I like it. But I was very surprised at how fast those pastors dismissed the fatherlessness issue and really wanted to look at gun laws and such. And that's fine. We've got to look at that. We have to have that discussion. We've got to come to the table on that. And there's there's got to be some smart thinking there. But fatherlessness is at the core of all of our social ills, all of them, abortion, gender identity issues, loneliness, crime, incarceration, violence, the list goes on and on and on. You pick a social problem that we have in the United States, and you will probably find a fatherlessness issue behind it. And that isn't saying that, okay, moms aren't doing a good job. What it is pointing out is something that we have got to hold on to, that fathers and mothers are both important, that moms and dads make a difference in the future of the kid. I was watching a lot of news today, as probably a lot of you were, and there's just some sad stories. And, you know, I I watch it with an eye to, okay, what can we, by the time we get to the afternoon, you know, I, I think of of us, if you're like me and you've been watching news all day, I don't recommend doing that. But when there's things going on, you do that. We're kind of tired out by three in the afternoon. How do we take these issues and say, where do we go from here? So I look at it that way. And I heard this today from the Uvalde mayor, Mayor Don McLaughlin, in an interview. And he he said this as kind of an aside to the conversation, but I thought he makes a point in there that we can't dismiss. Play clip number one. But that's the problem. Every time we have one of these, it's a political deal. What happened to the grown men that we elected to represent us in Congress that can't sit down at a table and come to a conclusion? I'm not going to get 100 percent of what I want. You're not going to get 100 percent of what you want. But nobody wants to have that discussion. It's either got to be my way or the highway. And we keep politicizing this. And, yes, we have a gun problem. Sure. Do we need an expanded background track? Possibly. But we also have a mental health problem that nobody wants to address. And maybe yeah. maybe we don't have any signs today from that young man, but it could have been there two years ago that he could have reached out and we could have given him some help. We'll never know that. See, a lot of the conversation is about how do you prevent this kind of thing from happening in the first place? Okay, well, maybe you can prevent this because you build, you build armor around the schools and maybe you prevent it by uh, different gun control and you keep those guns as best you can out of the hands of kids like this. All that, okay, fine. You can have that discussion and talk about it. But the thing that he talked about, When he said, maybe we would have seen this coming a couple of years ago. And he talked about the mental health crisis that nobody wants to deal with. He's right. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, and maybe there's not going to be a lot of change. But the the biggest piece here is in the families. 
and it has to do with fatherlessness. Now, hold on, because I, I know this is hard, and I'm a dad, and I think I'm doing okay, but I know that I have some deficiencies, okay? I'm working on it. I am changing my whole schedule around because I'm, I am afraid of looking back 10 or 15 years from now and going, I wasn't there when I needed to be there for my kids. And some of you are already there, and I want you to know that there is time to repent that kids are very forgiving to their parents. They long for their parents to to change and to repent and get back. Adult kids, you want your parents to say, I'm sorry, if they need to, or just to change their way or to be present with you. The, we all want those things. So so don't take it too personally, but we've got to, we have to take a look at what how serious this problem is. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to call and join me. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. I just want to give you some statistics, okay? And I've looked at these statistics uh, on multiple different ways, and they're all pretty close, all right? 85%, 85% of all youths sitting in prison today grew up in fatherless homes, 85%. And the whole prison issue is is even bigger, right? Because those kids are in prison and probably their dads are in prison or were in prison. That might be why they were fatherless. And they are, have a very significant chance of having a prison career themselves. And then if they've had kids, their kids will be fatherless in this way. See, and that, that fatherlessness, you might be in prison, but that, that may not be counted by people who don't want to talk about this. They'll say, no, you've got a dad. He's just in jail. No, that still counts. The dad's not around, Okay. of all homelessness, these are Department of Justice statistics, okay? Uh, 54% of of boys today, of fatherless kids, are are more likely to be poorer than their father. 60% are rapists. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 72% of adolescents serving sentences for murder are from fatherless households. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of kids in drug rehabs are from fatherless homes. That's three out of four. This is Department of Justice statistics, okay? 75% of long-term correctional facility inmates are from father-absent households. Uh, 85% of rapists were motivated by displaced anger from fatherless homes. 85% of kids who exhibit behavioral disorders, fatherless homes. 85% 85% of, of kids in state institutions, fatherless homes. 90% of runaway kids, fatherless homes. It just goes on and on and on. 74% greater risk of suffering emotional neglect. 77% of being physically abused. 80% of greater risk of suffering serious injury. And it gets worse and worse when you get into the girls too. We're really talking about boys here, but the statistics about the trouble that girls go through, suicides, promiscuity, all kinds of stuff, it's enormous. We cannot, we cannot deny that fathers matter. And we are working really hard, not only to, as a culture, to not only deny that fathers matter, but to redefine the family in such a way that it doesn't really matter if there's just a dad or just a mom or two moms or two dads, or your dad used to be a mom and now he's a dad and now your mom used to be a dad. We're redefining it, or pretty soon you're going to have uh, two dads and one mom or three dads and and two moms, or however that's going to go. And it is going that way, by the way. And if you're wondering why, at the core of all these problems we have, take a look at it. Abortion, 
one of the biggest reasons that a, a woman might seek an abortion is there's no dad to help. And sometimes the dad is pressuring that abortion or the father. It's huge. You know, the number of women who would keep their baby if they thought dad would be around is enormous. It's just, it would revolute, it would just change the whole subject. And you know what we, we already know in this case, we don't know all the details, but we know he's living with grandma and grandpa. He's not with mom or dad. We don't know the story and all that stuff, but there's a problem here and you're going to see that all the time. My friends, this is crucial and it is a spiritual issue when we get into the scripture about this. This is why as believers, we need to be people who are looking out for the fatherless. James one twenty seven. religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. To visit orphans and widows, orphans, the people without the parents, sometimes then the fatherlessness, the fatherlessness throughout the scriptures matters so much to God. First Timothy 5, 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and, he, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's a big deal. Now, that's not just dads, okay? But right now we're talking about dads. Dads, wherever you are, stop for a minute and just ask yourself. And I'm asking myself the same. My kids are 13 and 10, two boys, 13 and 10. And I look at this stuff on the news and I say, Am I real sure that my boys wouldn't do that? I mean, I'm pretty sure, but how well do I know the kids that they're hanging out with? How much quality time or just time am I getting with my kids? When was the last time I did that? How often am I gone late at night? How often am I just checked out when I'm home because I'm tired? There are so many things here. Dads, Christian dads especially, we got we to gotta hold on to that. 888-528-2557 is the number. Sean from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, and I know that people might disagree, but a lot of this is coming from not just uh, uh, crucial knowledge is power, and and obedience is even better than sacrifice, and that's where we are lacking in areas today because there are there's so many lanes that you know layers that lie in this. God gives us a promise, and he's a man that he cannot lie. But we are not really totally going by the Scriptures as the Scriptures, as he's he's instructed in the Word of God. And that goes for not just men lacking what they need to be, but women likewise. The Bible gave us instructions about women rearing their children, why the man goes out you know, they walked away from that. They broke that. Men didn't break that. Women broke that. You know, there's so many things that that, that undismantled the family and the actions that what we were to live as believers. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about the world. The world ain't going to never be right. right. That's why we are a light to the world, you know, a salt to the earth. But the church as as a whole, if you dig into the scriptures, we have not really lived a, a good example lately. Yeah. Sean, and, it is a you're right, it's a theological problem, right? That we have lost what it means to be a mother or a father. We have lost the idea and I not everybody's lost it, okay, but we're we're continually losing it. 
um, you know, and the idea of even who God is, the God who we worship. Psalm 68, 5, uh, and thank you for your call, Sean. I appreciate it. Um, I, she's right. We're away from the Word of God and what it actually means theologically. Psalm 68, 5, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Like, this is where God lives. All right, this is where God lives as being a father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say, here's a prayer, just say it for rote and memorize it and forget what it means, the Lord's Prayer. It's okay if you say that, you know, but you got to pray it like you mean it. And if you don't, then stop saying it and, and rewrite it in your own words. But don't change the first part. You shouldn't change any of it. But it matters that you say you pray to your father. He doesn't say pray to your king or pray to your creator. It's pray to your father. This is core to who we are. All right, that we have a Father in heaven who loves us. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, here's the command, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's interesting that that is directed to fathers. I mean, mothers, you shouldn't provoke your kids to anger, obviously, and bring them up in the discipline, fine. But there is an instruction there to father. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I mean, that assumes the father is around. It takes in mind that sometimes dads, we provoke our kids to anger, and we need to not do that. We need to be humble and patient. And then it says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The scriptures are powerful in this regard. Daniel from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, how are you? I'm good, Daniel. Thanks for calling. Yeah, um, it's funny, the previous caller um, she she has it she has it right you know um, we're at the, these these children don't belong to us they belong to the Lord we're entrusted by the Lord to take care of them and we seem to lose sight of that and um, yeah. it's it starts with even even within marriage we seem to lose sight of how sacred our marriages how sacred our children are and everybody does it and it's so easy nowadays to for people to walk away from a marriage and to say I'm done you know for the most ridiculous things. And um, I think that has a lot to do with it, personally. Yeah, it is. Uh, it yeah. does have a lot to do with it. And uh, thank you for your call, Daniel. And it is theological. That's, the, I guess, the, the point here I want to make for our Christians listening is that do not excuse the idea of fatherlessness. If you think we need to control guns, take all the guns away, you know, you can have that argument if you want to have that. Or if you think we ought to hand out guns to everybody, you can have that argument. But I don't care which side you are. The fatherlessness issue the family issues, the the breakdown of the family in our country is behind all of it. And you know what it says too when 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 dads get back in the game, and I want to encourage you, Dad, if you're if you're like me, sometimes I hear this and you know, I'm I'm engaged, but I I recognize that I get real busy and I start to count how long has it been since I've really been with my kids. And some of you are, you've been disconnected for a long time. Maybe you haven't talked to your kids for a long time. You might be hearing this. Do not be discouraged. Instead, you get back in there. You find a way. Well, mom doesn't want to talk to me. Okay, then you start the process of doing whatever you need to do to get yourself court-approved days. If that means you got to get sober, you better go get sober. You should do whatever it means to try to have more time with your kids. When the father is around, kids are at lower risk for everything, including even infants. Did you know that when the dad is around, there's a lower infant mortality rate? That's what the government statistics show us. 
that there is a lower risk for emotional and behavioral problems, neglect and abuse, a lower risk for injury, obesity, poor school performance, teen pregnancy, incarceration, alcohol and substance abuse, criminal activity, suicide, all of those things are related. And we're, we're living in a time where we're saying that dads don't matter or you can have two dads and no mom, another issue, or two moms and no dad. We need mothers and we need fathers. That's how human beings are designed. Now, I believe God designed them that way for a reason, and it reflects our relationship with God and how it is meant to be. Uh, the society, I'm reading these statistics from the Department of Justice and, and secular sources because I also want you to know that, you know, if you're listening and you're skeptical about God or about Jesus or, you know, who we are, these numbers are, are not just coming from some pastor somewhere, okay? They're coming from a secular source, and what they're saying is, screaming out to us right now, dads matter. And dads matter because they're masculine, because they're not the same as now some dads are more masculine than others. You can get in that That doesn't matter. There's things that dads bring that matter. And there are things that moms mean that matter. So it's another conversation. But there are things that moms bring that matter. I got to take a break here, and we're going to have uh, a, a guest when we come back in the next part of the hour, Dr. Danny Huerta from Focus on the Family. And we're going to talk about. Uh, how to engage your kids when there are these kinds of tragedies and how do we come together uh, and do better as uh, moms and dads. And you might find yourself in different situations, but I want you to know that the reason these passages are are even there in Scripture uh, is because people who are alive are reading the Scriptures, and we all have the opportunity while we're breathing to repent. And whatever our situation is, you know, once you get you got kids in the picture, you need to be for them. Uh, you need to be about them. They need to be number one. And you might be, you've got to take care of yourself. That's fine. But the problem so often is we still are so self-focused. And then suddenly our kids are grown up. They're lonely. They're looking for replacements for dad or mom. And they often find that with violent weapons, or they find that in gangs, or they find that in, uh, sometimes they may, might find it in sports or other things, but there is something lacking there when the dad isn't there and when moms and dads can't connect with their kids and don't stay involved. This matters, and all of our society's ills uh, will improve if we improve in this area, and it needs to be our voice. It needs to be the voice of uh, the church, and it's the voice all through Scripture. It's the voice of God. i got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. Dr. Danny Huerta will be with us in just a few moments. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. We're really glad that you are with us today. It's so good to be with you each and every day, but especially at times like this, we need to be with each other. And it is great to be together with you as a radio family on KKLA and uh, KPRZ right here in Southern California, as we are every day. We have a guest with us uh, right now. It is Dr. Danny Huerta. And Dr. Danny Huerta is uh, from Focus on the Family. He's the Vice President of Parenting and Youth, and he oversees Focus's initiatives that equip mothers and fathers with biblical principles and counsel for raising healthy, resilient children. And uh, Danny, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Scott. Thank you for having me on the show. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah. thank you for being with us. Uh, Hey, you know what? How are you doing? How is your family doing with uh, all this that's going on right now? 
Yeah, we've gotten to have some pretty open discussions about uh, just being able to think beyond our family, you know, what's going on in these families. What would that be like to mm-hmm. be going through a, <clears throat> through a tragedy such as the the one that, that families and the community itself is finding themselves in and way too many times, right, in, yeah. uh, in, in the last several years. And so just talking through also what we're grateful for, the fact that uh, every day is truly a gift that we get. And yeah. do we live that way? It's caused us to take inventory on what we've got and also press into our relationships uh, pray for the families that are going through this, empathize with them, and also begin to seek out how can we be of help and how can we be noticers of, of people around us that are truly needing that life-giving, maybe life-giving words or maybe a hello, and, and really paying attention beyond just our own world. Danny, how old, how old are your kids? You have two kids, right? I do, I do. Uh, they're almost 19 and 17 right here. They're, they're right up on their birthday. Uh, so the graduation for my son uh, is actually tomorrow. And, uh, high and school graduation then? can be a junior in high school. All right. Very cool. So you've, yeah. you've had a chance to talk with them about it. So for listeners who have teenagers, older kids, what's that conversation like when this happens? Do they, uh, how do they respond? They've, they've seen this before. So how do they respond? Yeah, the uh, different personalities will respond differently. You may have a leader type of personality, and they're saying, "All right, let's we got to do something about this." And they take on more of a community action type of approach. If you have a more of a peacemaker type of child that feels everything, those are the ones who, that that may be real quiet and quietly in their thoughts and emotions. And you you may need to ask the question, "Hey, how you doing? What what have you heard? What's what's been going on?" and How's that impacting you? Do, you? do you want to take a walk together and talk through what's there? And sometimes they'll just avoid wanting to to feel it, um, but they'll quietly do it. And then you have the talkers that love to just they, – they want to talk about everything that's happened. They, they're looking at uh, either social media or they've talked to friends or heard something, and they just want to sit down and continually talk about it. And then you have more of the thinker types that are more justice-oriented, and they're very – black and white and look at look more into the justice of what has happened and maybe in their thoughts thinking through structures and things that need to, need to be put in place from a political uh, point of view and so depending on the personality of your child your conversations could look very different yeah and i know with my daughter she's more of a a talker type and so she she says dad what so what happened what's what's uh what do you think families are, are discussing now and what happened in that community? Just tons of questions. Whereas my son's more of a peacemaker type, and I've had to ask him specific questions and uh, just regarding what, what he's thinking, how does, it, how does this impact how he views the world, his worldview. And so as parents, we just need to be very aware with our teenagers, how is their worldview being shaped by events and by friends and by social media? And then also, what what are their own what what are their own struggles? What does this bring up for them specifically? And then, um, are they able to emphasize or empathize actually with uh, with those around them? And uh, it's important for teenagers to r- practice and grow in empathy and stopping 
and 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 feeling something and talking it through. What would that? What yeah. would that really? How how can we um, think beyond what our experience is, and and begin to go towards a place of sorrow for someone else and also gratitude for what we have, rather than demanding of life, being able to see life as a gift. And that's that's a powerful thing to begin to learn as a teenager and going to a place of, of, of humility is so important for kids at that stage of life. You know, I think we, we you know, obviously we have people listening and their kids are at different stages. Um, and I feel like the conversation is different, you know, based on their ages. What occurs to me is uh, the teenager conversation, like you're talking about, they're, they're old enough to process some of this and think about life and the value of life, and they're going to have to process it from the standpoint of what it means for society that they're entering into. And, yes. and then there's the preteen. So I have a 13-year-old who is the, the probably peacemaker, silent type. And, and I have a 10-year-old who is almost the same age as some of these kids. Um, what would, what, how would you equip parents, say, at these different ages to, to do this? I think parents might be knowing they need to do something in all of this. How do they even bring it up? Yeah, really asking the question of your your preteens and and uh, young young children, school age children, ask them what have you heard out there? And and most kids have heard that something big has happened, that there has been a shooting, some people have died, and uh, ask them what they know, and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to pause right now. I just want to listen. What do you know? The 13, 12, 11, 10 will have more of an emotional angst on whether or not this is going to actually happen to them. So they begin to ask the question, so could this happen here? What, what, what does this mean? And so their emotions get riled up, especially if you have a child that already has some more uh, of an anxious type of personality. Uh, they'll start asking the questions as to, well, you know, what could we, what, what, what if this happens here? What, what has, it, could it happen? And that's where you talk through some of the plans, some of the things that are in place. What's, what's safe now? The fact that there's, there is a lot of safety surrounding them and the fact that you get to, to talk and enjoy that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving them a sense of grounding and, and giving them facts that, um, they can, they can, uh, talk through with you. So just giving them facts and not extra things beyond that. Then the younger kids, the school age kids, there's some kids that want to, they go more into the superhero mode. They want to go fight the bad guys or they'll say, uh, I just want to go help them all. And, and they're, they're trying to either help and, and rescue and want everyone to be okay to also asking the question, well, What's going to happen to me? How does this? How does this apply to our house? Are we safe? Is our house safe? Is are the people going to come? Are people coming to our house? Those, those are more common questions with school age kids. And uh, you, again, you want to give them reassurances of what you're doing in your home, safety wise, and uh, hugging them, but helping them understand what safety feels like, giving them a sense of control. What are we going to do now? Uh, maybe making meals together doing some things that you do together so that you don't leave them alone and some of those thoughts and questions that come up. And uh, this weekend, I encourage parents to cook the meals with your kids. Just have them all participate. 
in cooking together, doing things together. This Memorial Day, maybe remember also uh, some of the, the, the things that you've had. Remember these families, pray for them. Maybe remember also other fam- other people in, in your family that have been important and key in your life. And uh, some families take time to write thank you notes to important people in their lives uh, through Memorial Day. It's a good time to, to begin thinking about those things. And doing things together as a family is going to be uh, important so that some of those questions can can be brought out in that context. Yeah. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and my guest is Dr. Danny Huerta from Focus on the Family. Uh, Danny, do you find that, that kids, maybe at any age, do you feel like they, when these kinds of things happen, or maybe when they come of age and they start to realize there's lots of trouble in the world and we live in crazy times, especially now, how are they doing typically with hope? Are they becoming more and more hopeless? And if so, how do we redirect them to a place of, of hope? Yeah, there's more. Uh, I've noticed some kids actually numb to news, to some of the bad news. They're just, oh, it's another one. And that's concerning as well, because yeah. there, is, there are some big things happening um, around the world. And you want to talk through the fact that, that this is... Um, there, there, there are momentums in uh, that are good and momentums that are evil, and uh, giving a presence of that. And what's the momentum of good is something you want to help the kids to see and to to be a part of and watch videos on. A lot of families have come around these families in Valde, have prayed for them, have brought food, have brought have, have brought uh, everything you can think of. They've they've been yeah. surrounding this community. There's unity, there's prayer. That's God coming and responding to to the pain. I know in Psalm thirty four, eighteen, I was reading that recently. It says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Just really thinking about what does it mean to have a broken heart and sometimes we're broken hearted because we see this pain around us. And with kids, uh they especially the younger kids, they don't see much past beyond two days, three days, four days, five days. Right. And they'll quickly forget certain things. What you want to do is how, how, how do you model? You want to see how you model hope in your home as a parent. How do you talk about news and things happening? And do you bring some hope into that? When uh, do you trust in God that he truly has this? Do you find peacefulness in uh, leaning into that relationship with God, do you believe prayer is really a, a place to go and that, that mm. uh, God is listening to you? And and then do you uh, look at what brings life to your home and focus on some of those activities? Because that's what begins to bring hope, that unity and togetherness, and we do see God's response to tragedy. Yeah. Um, I think that's really good. When we come back from the—can you stay for the break, through the break, Danny? Just a few more minutes? Yes, yes. All right, we're going to take a little break. My guest is Dr. Danny Huerta from Focus on the Family. He's the Vice President of Parenting and Youth, and we're talking about how to respond with our kids because of, obviously, the shooting and there's other things going on in the news. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk, continue talking about what to say, but also to talk about how do we notice others and how do we have these conversations with our families. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Thursday. And my guest is Dr. Daniel Huerta from Focus on the Family. And he oversees Focus's initiatives that equip mothers and fathers with biblical principles and counsel for raising healthy, resilient children. He's the vice president of Parenting and Youth. Uh, Danny, there are a couple of things that before the break just really really struck me when I, I asked about, you know, how, how are kids responding to this? And you said uh, they are numb to news sometimes. And mm-hmm. I want to just continue that. What are some tools that we can use to help our kids care um, and not feel like this is just the direction of things and to check out? You said earlier that we can teach them maybe to help notice others. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I love the, the concept of being contributors rather than consumers. And as consumers, we begin to just get used to whatever we're wanting to hear or think about. As contributors, we, we seek out uh, where can we bring life? How can we be life-giving to other people around us? So that in my home, uh, we've used the word noticer. How can you be a noticer of, of kids around you at school, a kid that needs uh, – Maybe a, a word of encouragement or a smile, even. I mean, that's, that's life-giving, to smile genuinely at another person. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but noticing people beyond you, and then from there being builders of people rather than destroyers. So that means building with our words, being encouraging. If you encourage somebody, it means you're instilling life and energy and courage and hope in another person. And creating a culture like that in your home it makes a difference because then when you when you consume media, you look at it through a lens of contributor rather than consumer. You're saying, whoa, what is it that I could even do with that? And you know what I can do is I can pray for the people that I just heard about. That's a lot of, of things that are going on out there, and we need to be in prayer. And uh, God talks about the unity of prayer is just amazing and beyond our even our comprehension. That's a way we can contribute. In other ways, financially, uh, to people, that there are organizations out there uh, that uh, Convoy of Hope and others that uh, collect funds to be able to be the hands and feet somewhere else. A child could contribute that way and think about ways that they can um, contribute. So being noticers beyond your, pl- your home, but it begins on being noticers within your home. How do you notice opportunities to serve? Yeah. Uh, in your own home, and you call them that instead of chores. Maybe, hey, I have an opportunity to serve and practice that and being contributors in the home, because if you're a contributor in your home and in your relationships in the home, then you can do it outside of your home in a much uh, better way. And I then think- that, when, when you are a noticer of people, when you're in the grocery store and you just give them a smile, some people feel that refreshing now that we're without mm-hmm. masks. Yeah. We're, we're able to return back to the smile, right. and that brings life to rooms. And I, I've seen a lot of people forget to smile yeah. as of late, and maybe we just need to relearn that, that we can smile at one another, and that brings life to each other, and it's it's pretty simple. It's a very simple thing. It's funny you would say that, because I, a few years ago, I just decided I'm going to start smiling at people walking by me in the store or wherever, and I felt really silly about that at first. And sometimes I think it bothers them, but most of the time, maybe I look like, you know, <laughs> there you go. what's going on? Yeah. yeah, like something's wrong with this guy. But what I've actually found is that most of the time, it's a great response. So they smile back and there's something great about doing that. You have to get past maybe feeling silly, but it's very proactive. Um, you know, it, 
and, and Scott, what's funny is, is it creates momentum. You're, you're the one right. creating momentum because it's a lot of reciprocity. It's, it's almost as if your body can't really hold it back. All of a sudden you smile back. Yeah. Uh, what are some ways that, uh, I mean, maybe that's one way as, as a parent, and we're sp- talking to parents here, and, and parents are in, in different situations. We were at the top of the hour talking about fatherlessness and how, uh, what a significant issue that is for a lot mm. of this stuff. How do we as parents model noticing um, other people, even even if we are noticing our own kids, we got to start there, or noticing other kids? Or, do you have any advice for how to model these things for our kids and be engaged? Yeah, everywhere you go, right? So if yeah. you're at the, the restaurant and uh, you, you greet people with respect and notice them, that it's not all about you. You're not going into a restaurant just to consume. Uh, you're going into a restaurant. You can bring life into a restaurant to the waiter, the waitress, compliments, encouragement to the person that maybe just hanging on and trying to work and, and serve you. Uh, you can go in with the mindset of, of also being able to serve with your words and the way that you treat them and modeling that. And the, the, the clerk in the grocery store, that they're not below you, they're there to serve mm-hmm. you. Wow, thank you so much. And you're showing a, a sense of gratitude because gratitude in a home creates an adaptable mind, a mind that can adapt to almost anything if you're able to see through a lens of gratitude. And uh, that's if you're grateful for people, you begin to value them, and they feel that when you're there. And if, if your kids see that in you, they're, they're grateful for people rather than uh, bothered by people. And, and that changes your experience with one another, and you're more readily able to, to uh, notice other people. And if someone comes in that, that uh, is hard for you to love, that's when you're actually practicing love. Yeah, that's that's when you're actually, uh, you know, being able to dig deep and bring love when the, the person's most unlovable. And do you model that or does the person uh, take life out of you when they're um, kind of acting in an unlovable way? There's a lot of tension and a lot of stress out. I've seen that in driving. I've seen mm-hmm. it in a very variety of places. It doesn't mean it has to be contagious. Yeah. It means that you can change momentum when you go in. And do your kids see that? And do they see that when you walk into their in, into your home? How do you walk in? How do you show up as mom or dad? And that's going to make a difference in, in in what what happens in your home. Scott, I love the verse John seven thirty eight. It says, "Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." Imagine if that was our goal to yeah. come in and. How am I going to bring life to this son, to this daughter, to my wife? What's one thing I could do to make their day better? If you do that, it begins to create a pretty good momentum. That is, um, I think that's great advice for each one of us. Gratitude creates an adaptable mind. Um, uh, What a a great thing to remember. And that needs to be who we are as people of Christ. We are to be uh, the people who, who make things better, who add value wherever we are. And I think that's something uh, great to talk about with kids. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that is uh, on your heart or your mind that you'd like to share with, with moms and dads who are um, sad right now because of what we're seeing in Texas? And uh, maybe they're just saying, how do I deal with this myself or with my kids? Yeah, I think it's important to not be afraid to show emotion, to show, to show sorrow. It's an, it's an appropriate response. Emotions aren't bad things. 
And we want to teach our kids to show appropriate emotions to appropriate things that have happened. And it is appropriate that we feel sadness. We feel a sense of uh, even a moment of feeling a little depressed as to what, what's happening around us and showing and processing that in a way that's healthy. And that would be saying, man, I'm feeling this, and it makes sense with what happened. And this is what I'm doing to manage this emotion. Maybe it's I'm going to take a walk. Or, man, I love being together as a family right now. I'm really grateful. That helps this emotion as I tolerate it and as I let it be what it needs to be. And then start to see that joy starts to come in and there are moments of happiness that come in when you go and play and do things as a family. We get moments of different types of emotions. And right now it makes sense that we have a, 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 some emotion of sadness to what has happened in Texas yeah. and what is happening around the world. Those are moments. It doesn't have to become all day. There are moments of happiness we can share together. So uh, help your kids be able to see emotions in you and also the way you handle them. Some parents go out and work out together as a family, bike rides. It's a great weekend to do some things together as a family, to press in, to enjoy that. And if you had a lot of things to do, maybe you take a few of those off the list to enjoy and appreciate uh, the opportunity to be together, uh, maybe even make some uh, homemade soap yeah. or dinner together, <laughs> uh, but, but enjoy at least some moments. Uh, pause and do that. Yeah. Uh, this weekend. And Everybody one might... more thing, as far, yeah, as, go ahead. as far as resources, go to focus on focusonparenting.com. All right, focusonparenting.com. Go to focusonparenting.com. Lots of resources there for you, moms and dads. And my guest has been Dr. Danny Huerta. Danny, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate thank your you so time. Much. Great advice for us. All right, Dr. Danny Huerta is the Vice President of Parenting and Youth at Focus on the Family, and you go to focusonparenting.com and get some resources there. Um, hey, when we get back, friends, in the next hour, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and Memorial Day is coming up, and I thought, you know what? If you have a family member or a friend who you want to honor for Memorial Day, somebody who served our country, who has passed away, that's what Memorial Day is about, and you want to just call up and uh, mention their name and say thank you, or maybe tell a short story about something that they did or something you're proud of, we're going to record those uh, and part of our show today. We'd love to have you share those things, and we're going to replay them on Memorial Day also as part of our Memorial Day special. So if uh, you want to think about that, when we come back, you can give me a call, 888-528-2557. You can give a call now if you're ready to do that, 888-528-2557. We want to give thanks for people who have served as uh, we think about Memorial Day coming up. This is Southern California Live. If you want the podcast, go to kkla.com of this hour. Go to kkla.com. Look for this program under podcasts, and you will find it there. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be right back with Hour 2. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. 